I say that to say as much as we read, that's why slowing down is so good, Ray, because we miss things that should really strike us. And this is one of them. 2 Corinthians 7, 11 says, for observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things, you proved yourself to be clear in this matter. And I asked myself, you know, do I sorrow over my sin that way? Because a worldly sorrow, and there's a brand of it, and Paul talks about that, is, oh man, I just hurt this person. I feel bad. I just violated my standard or my sort of expectations for myself. But true sorrow, godly sorrow, has that vertical element of I just sinned against the Lord. And think of what Paul says in there. You know, you start in a godly manner, what diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation right? Like this indignation toward your sin, this desire to be cleared. What fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication in all things you proved yourself to be clear in this matter. And that, that really is a demonstration of repentance. I, I love something that I've heard our pastor say before, and that's that our repentance should be as notorious as our sin. You know, the world's big on karma, guys, and karma is always seen as this sort of instant thing, right? You've seen those videos that pop up online where someone like does something, they turn around, they get hit by a bus, and, and the phrase karma, karma comes up. But why can't karma also be long-term? This is completely irrelevant because we don't believe in karma, but let's pretend we do. I think I just experienced a long-term version because, Ray, do you remember the first time I helped you guys move when we first met. And I remember I was wanting to get to know you Rachel, my of course. Dog. I did. I looked at Ray's dog and I, I said to Rachel, that is the ugliest dog I have ever this isn't Sam, seen right? in my life. No, it was Tina. No, I actually pointed out you were looking at a mirror. <laughs> That's what it was. It was my own face. That was Tina. She was a beautiful yeah, dog. Yeah, she was the ugliest dog I'd ever she seen. Was and I not. said that to Rachel. Beautiful. And Rachel goes, That's terrible. And I walked away like feeling all cool. And right then, my favorite shirt gets caught on the hook for the gate. And I just hear, <laughs> and I look, and there's this giant rip. That's what you call instant karma. Yes. But the long-term karma struck me uh, last week when I was jogging back home from the gym, crossing through a park, thinking, look, man, I'm taking care of my body. I'm cool. And then I hear, no, it's more like, ruff, 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 ruff. And I look over and I see these two pit bull looking dogs charging at me. And I hear their owner go, no, stop, which means she knows what they're capable of. And then had lunch. Yeah. <laughs> and by God's grace, there was a set of bleachers right by where I was jogging. And I jumped up on them and I did pull my knife. Well, I had my knife in my hand. I jogged with my knife. But Ray, you seem to find pleasure in the fact those pit bulls. <laughs> He's that was the long-term karma for you abusing my beautiful dog Tina. <laughs> long-term karma. Now that's horrible. Pit bulls kill people. I've I've seen the statistics of how many people have been maimed and injured and murdered or killed by uh, pit bulls. The singer or the dog? <laughs> <laughs> pit bull. There's a singer named Pit Bull. Right? Oh really? Yeah. I'm not surprised. Yeah. So that was crazy. And yes, I do carry a knife 
when I jog for that very purpose. This is what you call fire insurance. Didn't right? your mom ever teach you not to run with knives? Well, I mean, I do point it at myself when I'm running, <laughs> okay, yeah, so yeah. I should change that. Well, that would be so devastating to you have to use that. Oh, it would be, absolutely. But it's a pocket knife, and you know, I carry And I used to actually carry pepper spray in the other hand when I jog. <laughs> a knife and pepper spray? Yeah. You want to wait any friends. Yeah, and then the nuclear bomb that's on my yeah, shoe. Yeah. I carry a bazooka, <laughs> just in case. I jog with a tank. I jog in a car. It's safe. No, but seriously, what do you do? You're jogging, a, do- a pit bull comes out, two pit bulls in this case, or they look like pit bulls. I don't know if that's exactly what they no, were. Two hours. Yeah. <laughs> embellishment <laughs> but you know what i'm saying i mean what do you do you, you're gonna scratch them to death you're gonna try to bite them I mean, you have to have something that's gonna help you fin- it's unfortunate to ever have to do that but you gotta i hate to say this because it sounds terrible but they trained in the first world war soldiers how to kill dobermans that were attacking them and quite serious this is what they did they, you grab their front legs and just open them like that because their shoulder blades are on each side of the heart and it kills them instantly wow. the problem is you expose your face to his face oh you had your face ripped off as a little kid is that what happened to you that's what I've always no, wondered. seriously, his face hung off his... Your eye, Mark. Didn't your eye pop out? That's well, that's what I was told, and then I just had my eyes checked, and I said, yeah, I was told my eye popped out. That's why it's two different colors, because I have one eye that's half blue, half brown, and yeah. the other one's blue. And she gets really close, and she's examining, she's all, you've never had damage done to the back of your eye. Really? So you've okay. been lying for like well, 50, I was in line. I was, 55 years? Was so we don't want to magnify Somebody the was eye. mistaken when they told me. We want to hear about your, what happened with that dog. I, did get, I got mauled when I was five years old by a German shepherd. And my mother was pregnant. And my dog was chewing my crayons. I was trying to make these little paper puppets out of those lunch sacks for my mom. Mm-hmm. Love my mom. Mom, if you're listening to this, I absolutely love you and adore you. And... I was told by my brother, get the crayons out of his mouth. His name was King. So I picked up a board. I hit the back of the dog, and the dog applied his face to my face with his teeth on top of my face, and I got lots of stitches. And I remember... How many stitches, Mom? There was a lot. I don't know. They had to shave part of my head. And this is serious stuff. Your, your face was literally hanging off. My face was like literally... And that's why my mom explains it, that I came in with my hands over my face, and then when I pulled my hands down, my face kind of came down with it. We went to... In the emergency room, we went to the hospital, and they turned us down and sent us to another uh, hospital. I like to point out that in the story, when you mentioned your mom, you stopped and paused and told her how much you loved her. But then when you mentioned your brother, you just kept going. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Who cares, bro? Yeah, so I survived. Mark survived. Praise the Lord. I hurt my leg, though, pretty badly. I slipped on the bleacher. And then the lady comes and she's like, oh, sorry. And then she takes the dog away a little bit and she doesn't put it on a leash. And I go, excuse me, ma'am, I'm about to run again. You might want to leash that dog. So yeah, dogs are crazy. But we're not talking about dogs today, friends. We actually are. Are we? But we, no, we're not. But that's what we, we did. <laughs> Pretty much. You know, when I was a new believer, there was a question that I would ask people all the time. And I had no idea how offensive it came across. And to me, it was like a greeting. Maybe I heard my youth pastor use it or something, but literally, remember Rob Douglas? Oh, yeah. I remember someone told me he had a Bible study in his backyard and you know he was working at a gas station in the area. So I pull up and roll down my window and I go, hey. And he goes, hey. I go, how's your walk? <laughs> he looks at me like, what? I go, how's your walk? He goes, fine, how's your walk? But to me, that was like, hey, how you doing? So... 
I just want to ask you guys today. Oh, I thought you were talking about Chinese cooking. <laughs> <laughs> Don't remind me of the Oriental Walk in Kentucky yes. that I love to go to. I make Ken Ham take me there every time I'm in the area. But I have a question for you guys. Ray, what have you been reading in the Word lately? Oh, Psalm 139. I really appreciate you asking. <laughs> it's the most beautiful psalm about the omniscience of God hmm. and how he sees everything. And I was just uh, recorded something saying there's no such thing as a secret. We all think there is. But Jesus said there's nothing secret because God sees everything. He knows everything. He knows our names, how many hairs on our head, sees the atoms of the heart. There's not a dog that coughs or barks without God knowing about it. He knows about the eyelash. He knows the atoms in the eyelash of a flea because he's omniscient. And that thrills my heart. But as a non-Christian, that makes your heart skip a beat. And God sees everything. He knows everything. He's going to bring every work to judgment, including every secret thing. I'm just going to segue into something dumb I did. By the way, friends, as Ray does that dumb segue into dumbness, <laughs> we're talking about what we've been reading in the Word. We're just going to go randomly around and uh, do something a little different and talk about what we've been reading in the Word lately. Hence the question in a very rude way. What have you been reading in the Word lately, brother? Mark, what have you been reading in the Word? Well, I want to Wait, you're quick. segueing. You're segueing, oh, but also in the dumbness. We want to hear the dumbness. You mentioned every hair on his head, and I think that everyone always imagines God counting up, but I think he's counting down for some of us. Yes. Like 400, <laughs> 399. Oh, and before you do that, <laughs> when you were talking about all those details, it reminded me of something you wrote years ago. Before I even knew you, I read this in the Atheist tract. I think it was in the Atheist tract. Maybe I didn't know you. I don't know. but and, No, you uh, didn't. I remember that. Maybe I didn't, yeah, but you said God knows the intimate details of the secret love life of the fleas on the back of the black cat of Napoleon's great grandmother. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that gave me the biggest kick. Yeah, it's nothing hid from his eyes. Yeah. So anyway, Trevor Sheets is our brilliant social media manager, and he did some screenshots of me for our YouTube program in the hallway out there. He said, just pull some faces. So I did about five faces, and he used them, and Mark said, look, we've got to get some different faces. So... The other day I had an idea, rather than subject myself to the embarrassment of having a camera pointed at me and having to pull faces in public, I thought I'll do it secretly in my studio at home. So I got the wall ready, set up the camera, and I spent 60 seconds feeling so dumb because what I did is I looked at the camera and then thought for a minute and then went, put my hand on my face, look up to the left, look to the right, point to the right, point to the left, <laughs> point, and, and then I screenshot them and sent them about 40 of these. And I didn't even tell Sue, my wonderful wife, because I felt so stupid doing that. You can imagine 60 seconds of just looking dumb, looking left, looking right, up and down, this and that. Anyway, I accidentally sent them to Eddie. <laughs> the video went to Eddie. I don't know. I, was, I, I went to airdrop it to myself, and I must have airdropped to my phone, and they got texted. The next thing, I get a text back saying, Eddie's our TV director and producer. What is this? Is, I can't, I've watched it three times. He says, I haven't got a clue what it is. <laughs> and I says, Eddie, and I explained what happened. I said, I'm so embarrassed. That's a, such a dumb little video. Don't send it anywhere. And he says, really? And I says, do you want a Christmas bonus or not? And he says, it's not going anywhere. And he says, I deleted it. And he says, I accidentally sent it to an atheist site before I deleted it. Sorry about that. <laughs> but it was uh, one of my top dumb things I've done. For oh, that's wonderful, Ray. I feel another book on the horizon. Well, how, how dumbest things people have done? Yeah, volume 658,000. <laughs> yeah, my whole life is full of dumb stuff. You know. Oh, that's great. Oh, speaking of dumb stuff, I was on television yesterday. Channel 4. Oh, Los yes. Angeles. My wife told me. Yes. It was, did you know that? Because, because of the shooting across yeah, the street? Yes, it was a shooting across the street. Not that we have shootings in the city very much. It's a safe city. We don't even have a police department in the city. But someone came in and killed somebody. And I went down there to get some B-roll. Because I always get B-roll when there's police cars. And there was five 
you know, TV fans and that. So I went down there and the lady said, do you want to go on? And I said, yeah, after I gave her a track too, so it was good. So I said, um, this is absolutely tragic, praying for the family, hope they, you know, what a, what a terrible thing that someone did, took a life for selfishness and greed and it's just a sign of the times, as the Bible says, and this nation has lost the fear of God and we need to get it back. Then they put it on 11 without the fear of God in a reference ah, to the Bible. They yeah, they just removed <laughs> that. So I just have this little nice little quote. It actually me. aired? They, yes, it made, they did. They aired. Oh. I just want to point out, you said I was on TV yesterday. Ray, you're on TV every day. Yeah, we have a television show. Do you remember? You're that's the so host funny. of a television yeah, show. Yeah, I forgot about that. It's so weird how that's easily forgotten. You know, we have our DVR set to the way the master TV program, and once in a while I'll just peek in and there'll be tons of episodes. I'm like, man, this is actually airing around the world. You know, we do it, we record it, we forget about it. Is it still the Zoom? Zoom? No, no. no. We're, we, we're, we're into the studio Thank ones. And then the we're going to have the new format with us doing more of the reality TV stuff. We've got a new floor mat? Yeah, a new oh, floor mat called okay. Wave yeah. So let's go around. Ray, we'll get back to you because you just kind of said very little about what you're reading in the Word, which shows where you're at spiritually. But Mark... <gasps> I'm on John 3.16. <laughs> Jesus wept. Mark, Next. I would love to hear from you. Before we do that, I know people are itching to get input on how do you have a devotional? You know, what do you do, especially young people that are new in faith, growing in Christ? How do I have a vibrant devotional life? And then we'll get into what we've been reading lately. Yeah, it's actually a really good question. I share it with teenagers a lot. It's something that I currently do. And I am going through the whole Bible in three years, which equals out to be about a chapter a day. That's it. Mm -hmm. Occasionally you'll do two chapters or something, but it's just a chapter a day. And I'm also not doing it just by myself. My wife's doing it. uh, My girl's are doing it as well. Our girls are actually in the Bible at the yeah, same place uh, together. And also I have a couple friends that are in the same reading. So we will have a text thread going on where somebody will highlight something, they'll underline something, they'll send it to the other person. And all day long we are meditating through what we read in the morning. So the question is often asked, do I have devotions in the morning or do I have devotions in the evening? And the answer is, Yes, right? Colossians 3, 4 says that our life is hidden in Christ. So Jesus doesn't want to be just part of our life. He wants to be the totality of our life, where we are always meditating through scriptures, always communing with Jesus, the Father, the Spirit, through prayer. We're always, we're in a relationship, and that's what it means, yeah. right? It's not so much a religion, but a relationship. That little maxim pun is true. So we meditate all day. So what does that look like on a practical sense? I wake up and the first thing I do is I seek the face of God. And I want to see God's face before I see my wife's face or my employer's face or anybody else's face, right? I want to see the heartbeat of deity. I, I want to get my marching orders. And I literally do this in the morning when I wake up. I wake up, I go over to my sliding glass door and I like give a military salute where I am actually reporting for duty. This is the day the Lord has made, right? I want to do that. And so I grab a hold of the word and I am just going through the whole chapter. And in this case, it's Psalm 92. That's today's reading. And then I'm reading until something stands out to me. And then when something stands out to me, I highlight it and then I read the rest of the chapter. And then I will go back and I will meditate back on that single verse. And in this case, Psalm 92 verse 15 is what stood out to me. 
It says, to declare the Lord is upright, that he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. So I looked at that word rock. It's used 64 times in the Old Testament. It means boulder, refuge, strength, where we can hide underneath and we get protection from the storm around us. Ooh, that's good. Why do we read in the morning? Because we're going to be lied to the rest of the day. Why do we continually meditate and get truth? Because if we don't, if we don't get truth, we're going to believe lies are truth. Mm. So practically what I tell teenagers and people just say, hey, what do I do? I say, hey, listen, a chapter a day, read till something stands out. And then when something stands out, highlight that and then go over to blb.org, Blue Letter Bible, our great friends over there. They have some great resources and commentaries and tools and lexicons. You can just click on a word and you get some original meaning and figure out some good stuff around that. It's amazing when you think of the resources that we have in our day and age. When I found out that Jesus was the rock, that made me a little bolder. Hey, listener. Have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? Well, now you can get one. That's because Living Waters is giving away 10 free boxes of goodies every single week. That's eight in the USA and two overseas. And this is being made possible by a faithful partner of ours that has given us funds to make these resources available to you for free. Each of these boxes has a hundred dollars. That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. Livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. <laughs> that was good, Ray. You should have been on the Flintstones. You yeah. would have been a hit on there. So that's really, really good, Mark. I love that, the aspect of being intentional in what you're doing mm. and pausing to meditate. Because we've talked about this before. Oftentimes, we're just going through a checklist. I'm a checklist guy. Okay, I actually have a checklist. It's called Daily Disciplines. I have multiple things on there. And I do a lot. And that's how I function. That's how I grow. The first one is check the checklist. Yes. <laughs> On the other checklist, it says check the checklist, checklist button about the checklist. The final one is did you check the checklist? Yes. And did you check the checklist button about checking the checklist? <laughs> Why do I feel like saying chiclets? Chiclets. Mm, chiclets. chiclets. <laughs> I love chiclets. So I love doing a lot. We're all different. And that's so key to remember in devotions. We really are different and we, we don't want to prescribe this is what you do. But I love gleaning. That's a point in fellowship that's, I think, often overlooked. Gleaning is so huge from interaction. You say something you do, someone picks that up. You know, Mark, what you just said, that, that's encouraging. You know, you, you make it your aim to turn your gaze toward the Lord before anything else. I've heard it said too, before my feet hit the ground, I want to make sure I've connected with the Lord, you know, before I even get out of bed. Well, before my feet hit the ground, my knees hit the ground. Oh, I like that. Did you just make that up? Yes, I did. Ray, um, you're my brilliant. My pastor's number one key to reading the Bible is slow down. Mm. That's a quote that he said on last Sunday. That's really good. And that is really good because you can say, I'm going to read a chapter. But yeah. if you slow down, like Mark was saying, you hit that word rock and just sit on the rock mm -hmm. and find out what it means and the context and meditate on it, it just becomes 
it's like breaking a rock, a rock open and finding the gold yeah. in the middle of the rock. So that's why one of the things I do, it's for that reason that I read through the New Testament. And what I do is I read a chapter a day, but I read that same chapter through five times in that day. So I like to read it twice in the morning, twice in the afternoon, and then once in the evening. Then the next day, before I start the next chapter, I read that chapter one more time. So I will have read the whole chapter six times, and then I start the next chapter. Oh, well, Scotty does it seven times. <laughs> 70 times <laughs> <Does he> seven. Really? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he reads a book through seven times. A book through? Yeah, oh, books, so like, books of the Bible. Oh, I see, yeah. But I do it a chapter at a time, and then I go to the next one. And, hmm. and I found it so rich because I'm getting hit with that truth again and again and again morning and then afternoon and then evening. I kind of do something similar in that when I read the chapter, when I get inside the car, I now listen to the chapter and then I listen to the next two, three, four, five chapters. And then the following day, I'm, I just head back to the next yeah. chapter and I keep on yeah, going. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And that's being like what I would say is washed with the word. Right. I read through the Psalms and the Proverbs every month. So I read five Psalms a day and then I read a proverb a day. So, you know, with the Psalms 150 by about 30, sometimes, you know, the days don't line up and you'll do it some extra or some less. But I love that because again, it's keeping me connected to wisdom and to worship as well. And then I listen through the whole Bible. So when I'm exercising or jogging or sometimes driving. Or getting chased by dogs. Yeah. Okay, yeah, getting chased by dogs. I wonder what the verse was actually when the dogs were chasing me. I was thinking about Jezebel, the dogs ate Left Jezebel. Hands and feet. They wouldn't leave your hands and feet. Yeah, but I'm on my 30th time through the whole Bible in the last few years. And I love that because I, I'll be walking through Costco, I'll be sitting in the doctor's office, I'll be, and that is again, another form of washing. That's good. You know, and then I do my scripture memory and then my readings with Rachel and then the kids and devotion, so. I was gonna say, answering the question, what are you reading in the Bible? You're saying all of it? <laughs> Pretty much, I like read all Bible. I remember the moment as a brand new Christian, I was about two or three days old, I looked at the Bible and I thought, I wanna conquer that. Yeah. Mm. I wanna conquer it. And by that, I mean not, I don't wanna know what's in it, I wanna know what's not in it. Someone says, this is in the Bible. I want to be able to say, it's not in there mm, because I know good. it. And by conquering it, it conquered you. Yeah. That's right. Ooh, yeah, mic drop. I go through the whole Bible in a year and my response is, well, did it go through you? Yeah, right? that's good. What are you reading right now that so, stands out? Here's a, a verse out of... Second Maccabees. Second Corinthians. Second <laughs> Maccabees. I'm in Second Corinthians right now. I've heard a pastor saying that. How many of you have been reading the book of Hezekiah? And hands go up and says, yeah, how many liars are out there? You liar. <laughs> so I've been in 2 Corinthians and this really, really struck me. 2 Corinthians seven eleven, And this is Paul talking about godly sorrow, godly repentance. And it's one of those verses I, again, I've read so many times. I used to read through the New Testament once a week. I had something called Manna Munch Cafe. And basically I took a Bible that didn't have any commentary or anything like that. And I just took all the pages of the New Testament, divided them by seven days. And that's what I would do basically. And I'd land in the logical place. And it was wonderful. I got away once. I read through the whole New Testament three times in a row in three days. So 16 hours of reading every day. It was one of the most fruitful. And then I would write down the passages that hit me. And then the next three days, it was just a personal retreat. I spent time, you know, meditating. But I say that to say, as much as we read, that's why slowing down is so good, Ray, because we miss things that should really strike us. And this is one of them. 2 Corinthians seven eleven says, for observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner, 
what diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things, you proved yourself to be clear in this matter. And I asked myself, you know, do I sorrow over my sin that way? Right. Because a worldly sorrow, and there's a brand of it, and Paul talks about that, is, oh man, I just hurt this person. I feel bad. I just violated my standard or my sort of expectations for myself. But true sorrow, godly sorrow has that vertical element of I just sinned against the Lord. And think of what Paul says in there. You know, you start in a godly manner, what diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, right? Like this indignation toward your sin, this desire to be cleared. What fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication in all things you proved yourself to be clear in this matter. That really is a demonstration of repentance. I love something that I've heard our pastor say before, and that's that our repentance should be as notorious as our sin. Hmm. And I love that. And, and that my sin is so serious. My repentance needs to be so serious in the sight of the Lord. So that is what I've been reading in the word. That's really good. Lately. Ray, what happened I to you? You disappeared? I uh, disappeared, but when I came back, Mark had got my phone and put a screenshot of his face on it. That's <laughs> <laughs> disgusting. I saw him grab it. your phone. I thought, what a nice guy. He's, he's going to yeah, you know, really make nice. sure it's not on ring or something. Or... So that's going to frighten me for the rest of my life. I'll keep it there. Scary. Oscar, what have you been reading in the Word lately? I read in the mornings, like you, alone. I wake up, first thing I do is I go downstairs and I make myself a delicious cup of coffee. Oh, the I, coffee that takes you three hours to make because it has <laughs> it to be perfect. It takes me five minutes or less. Yeah, right. And I spend time in God's Word alone. And then in the evening times, I read with the family through our devotions, our nightly devotions. But I'm reading through Revelation right now. I do something similar in the sense that where I just... I start at chapter one, verse one, and depending on how much time or how indwelled I get with what I'm reading, I'll slow down or speed up. And if I get to chapter four, great. The next morning I pick up right where I left off and then I finish it and I go right back to the beginning. So you'll read multiple chapters in a uh-huh. sitting sometimes? Yeah. When I study God's word, I'll study it with a magnifying glass. Hmm. I'll unpack a verse at a time. And that's what, you know, a, a deep dive into the exegesis and to the historicity, et cetera, et cetera. But for my devotion, I've enjoyed getting kind of the meta-narrative. Because I think for me, I spend so much time looking at one verse, whether it's for preaching or whatever, that I lose a sense of the, of the big themes. And so to read Revelation, especially because our church is going through Revelation in our sermon series, yeah. which is the reason why I'm on it. And so to read it for that meta-theme is fantastic. It helps me keep an eye on that as we study the individual verses throughout the week. Yeah. That's super helpful to me. And I would say something that stand out about Revelation, one, I'm, I'm using GK's Bill's commentary, which is a fantastic commentary for any pastors that are listening and want to get one. But something that struck me about Revelation is how I would summarize the theme. The book is about how to live as strangers and exiles in a land that is increasingly hostile towards Jesus. But how to do that while being witnesses to the reality of God's victorious kingdom. In other words, it's about how Christians can avoid the temptation of putting their hope in the powers and principalities of this world when things go wrong and instead continuing to align themselves and put their hopes in God's promise that his kingdom is coming on earth 
as it is in heaven. And I think some of my big takeaways over the last couple of months of reading it is, especially for Revelation, we're so prone to try to dissect and understand Revelation by looking at current cultural commentary. Hmm. We think that like the breaking news of our day is gonna help us understand Revelation. But what I've come to realize is that the best way to understand Revelation is to read the Old Testament. Not just the minor and major prophets, but Genesis and Exodus. Because Revelation is about being exiles. It's about the interaction that the Jews had with Babylon and how the early Christians had with Rome and our relationship between us and the principles and principalities of the world around us today. And so as I've been reading it, I've just been growing in hopefulness and joy and in trust in what God is continuing to do because the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And if I can say the entire book of Revelation, the heart of it is found in chapter four, verse eight. And it's the song that is being sung to God, which is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. Mm. I heard something interesting. I don't know if it's true because I haven't fact checked it, but like 25, 30 years ago, I heard somebody say that passage that you just quoted, we have the worship going on up in heaven. Mm. It has not happened up in heaven since the fall of Lucifer in Isaiah chapter 14, I think it is. We don't hear about any other worship happening up in heaven until all the saints are gathered together. They're found inside that text which is interesting. I don't know. Well, G.K. Beale would approach it a little bit differently. That's the commentator that I'm using. Widely respected scholar and theologian. And so he would say that often when we read Revelation that we try to look at it in a way that time is linear, where like when we think of time, we think, okay, two o'clock follows one o'clock. I got up out of bed and the next thing I did was ate breakfast. But Revelation doesn't treat time like that. Revelation treats time the way time works in a book, right? Like when you're reading chapter one in a book, chapter 20 isn't waiting for you. Chapter 20 has already happened. You just need to catch up. And when you're reading chapter 20, chapter one doesn't come to a close. It doesn't cease to exist. Chapter one is still happening while you're reading chapter 20. And when we read Revelation, it's not treating time linear. And so G.K. Beale would say that they're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. They've been singing it since the very beginning. They're seeing it right now and they'll be singing it until the very end. So we, when someone says like, when, when we get a glimpse of this moment in heaven, when is that happening? GK Bill would say, yes, it has happened. It is happening and it's going to happen. And the idea is like, we've been set apart. Mm-hmm. We've been glorified according to Romans 8, but yet we still are walking in the flesh here. But God would look at us and say, no, the kingdom of God, it dwells within, mm-hmm. you know, Christ dwells in us richly. So... We are already partakers in that heavenly gift of communion with the Father, and we're only, as it is right now, maybe handcuffed to this thing called time, but God dwells outside of it, and we have a relationship with Him, right? So, I mean, there's a lot to kind of take in. Which is the phrase, the here and the not yet, right? Like, God's kingdom has come, and yet it is still coming. It is not fully realized. We worship Him now, but we see Him through dim mirrors. We see Him in a veiled way, and one day we will see Him fully, that here and not yet tension. Yeah, and that's why, again, it's so good to have both the big picture view and then to hone in and to to break things down. That's why I love listening through the word and 
at times when I've read through the New Testament at a rapid rate, it just gives you the whole grand scheme. But then you go back in and you dive deep. And there's, Ray, there's no bounds to the depths of God's word. You, you often tell people, I've been reading the Bible every day for how many years now? 49 years or something like that. 49 Without years. Fail. But that's nothing. That's what every Christian should to esteem. You're a normal word. biblical Christian. Yeah. But you know, you always find new stuff. When I've read the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus went up in the mountain and he spoke to the disciples, the disciples came to him. Mm-hmm. I never correlated it to Luke 6, where he goes through the Sermon on the Mount also. It's the same thing from, from Luke. But preceding that, scriptures of the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out of him and healed them all. Hmm. So the whole multitude, and when the Bible speaks of multitude biblically, it doesn't mean like 10 people. There was massive people. Yeah. That happened before he went up the mountain. He went away from the, uh, could you imagine everyone trying to touch you because power was going out of you? Wow. So he went away from the crowd to intimately give that sermon which is the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher who ever lived and the greatest book ever written, Mm. the Sermon on the Mount. What a wonderful, wonderful sermon. Wow, I love it. And reading the Word with our kids, with our wives, one of the greatest joys for Rachel and me is being in the Word together. And it's something we do nightly. Of course, schedules sometimes don't permit. We have an event or super crazy late doing something, but that's the habit of our lives. That's the rhythm of our lives. It's to be in the Word together. It keeps us connected in ways that I don't think we even sense immediately, but God is doing things. I mean, we do sense it a lot immediately, but it's more than what we sense. And at times when we may not necessarily sense it, God is still working. Mark, and I love what you're doing because it's kind of the same concept of having a group of friends and you're all reading the same thing, then you can connect on that. You know, So I just wanna encourage those listening, husbands, wives, be in the Word together as a couple. One really helpful tool that I've just discovered about a year ago is the Bible app. I like reading out of an actual Bible, but the thing I like about that Bible app is the social aspect. So our entire church is reading through the Bible in a year, which means I can see we are all on the same verses and everyone's commenting and having a conversation Every single day, I can look and I can see who commented on that. Are you verse. talking about you version? You version, yeah. Okay, yeah. It shows me, but then I'm also in a group with my wife and my oldest daughter, and I can see what they're reading, and I can see when they do a study together. And Maddie will send Kelly like, "Hey, do you want to do this one with me?" And it'll be like a weekly devotion, and so I can see them and I can hop in and talk with them about it. And I just love how that's starting to bring. It's bringing a social aspect, but it's so encouraging to see like fellow members of your church, your pastor, your wife and kids in there talking about it. And, you know, next time you see them, you get to, oh, I saw that you were reading John 3 today or whatever. I, I love it. It's super fun. You know, you're reading the scriptures is a, is a litmus test to the health of a Christian. Well, like we commonly call backsliders, people that never slid forward in the first place, first converts who say, I'm still praying. And who doesn't pray? I mean, there's no atheists in a severe turbulence. Everyone prays. But if you're in sin, you're not in the Word. Yeah. You won't want to go near the Word because the entrance of God's Word brings light. So I think one of the most profound things ever said by anyone is that saying, this book will keep me from sin, and sin will keep me from this book. Yeah. And because if you've got sin in your heart, you won't want to open God's Word because it's got this accusing aspect to it when you're not right with God. Yeah, that's so true. And I, I love that other one that says, uh, seven days without the word make one week. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. And, you know, devotions with our kids too are huge. 
I love Oscar, what you're saying about what you guys do. We, in another program, we talked about Advent and what you do in that regard. And that's so good. But, you know, getting those moments with our kids, when we pour into them, I know time is tight and we're stretched, but when I sit with my kids and I, I try to meet with my kids weekly, my younger ones now at home, and it's just awesome. We'll go through a book together, but we'll, we'll touch on the scriptures that we're reading in the book. You know, I was reading a book with one of my sons called Created for Work, and it's just about working and God's design and work and what that does. I'm reading Dr. R. Kent Hughes' book with my other son, Disciplines of a Godly Man. And the richness involved in that is huge. I mean, especially a book like that, that breaks down different topics. We just talked about marriage. My son's not married, obviously he's 19, but to fellowship over the word on things like that and prepare his heart for that. Again, I feel connected with my son. Our next chapter is about parenting and I'm interested to hear his Mm. heart from me about me as a father. Like, son, do you see these things in my life towards you? Do you see where I err? Tell me, open up. That creates that bond, that unity. That it's a bit now, late now that he's 19. <laughs> you were well, percep- the worst father ever. <laughs> Perception is often reality. So it's, it's okay to ask your child, what do you think I'm doing wrong? Yeah. Right. And then allow them, hey, you have permission to speak freely. And I don't think that parents often ask their kids those questions. Yeah. You know, or what do you what do I do that you think is right and that you want to repeat with your kids in the future? There is also something so joyous when a conversation is happening and you hear your kids elaborate on God's word. Yeah. And you're like, where did that come from? Just the other day I was teaching a bunch of kids about Gideon at church. And my son was like, oh, so I was trying to like make it a shorter story because we were teaching younger kids. And then my son was like, oh, but dad. And then he spent five minutes like elaborating on some of the details. And I was just like, I love you, son. Like, man, it's such a cool. I know. I love that. Our our daughter Kylie has been journaling different thoughts on scripture she's reading and she'll come and she'll read it to me. And Sometimes she'll be like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I, I know you have to. I'm like, honey, are you kidding me? I'll stop the world to hear this. And it's so deep and beautiful and profound. It's such a joy to see your kids crawling and then stand up and walk. And it's exactly the same spiritually. And that's what you're talking about. Yeah. And humility is such a key in that regard. Like Mark mentioned about being open to your kids. That binds your hearts together. And it happens over fellowship of the word or reading books. I'm reading a, a book of a friend of mine who asked me to give him a commendation right now. And it's called Retractions, Humility After Humiliation. And it's such a great book. I'm, I, I can't put it down. It's that good. Wow. But he's basically going through his life as a pastor for 30 something years. And he's talking about the mistakes he's made. And he talked in one occasion where he humbled himself and apologized to his kids and, and what that did and how that Kids brought love them together. that. Thank I mean, how much more do we love that, right? Mm-hmm. When you just come with humility, asking for forgiveness, yeah, you're forgiven. I'm still waiting for you, Mark. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, you'll never hear Late it. Late forever, what? brother. <laughs> but he was talking about how when you become vulnerable like that and open up your heart, how people will begin to open up. He talked about a retreat they went to and he was speaking and they were going through a tough time as a family. And he just said, they determined they were going to be open with everyone about it. One of their sons, two of their sons were not walking with God and they were so heartbroken over it and humiliated. And he opened up during the retreat and he said, so many people came up and started to just say, I've never heard someone do that. And that so impacted me. And, mm. and they began to be vulnerable. So it's really good. Mm. Anyway, we segued onto 
all those things. But again, perfect example of what fellowship over the word does. We're talking about all that we've been doing in the word and that led to these different things. And so friends, we hope you've been encouraged. The word, the evidence Bible is a tool that you can use. Ray has other tools. Uh, I believe the uh, one- How to your children to Christ. Yeah, how to bring your children to Christ and keep them there. That and was devotionals good. for reading the word. There's a number of devotionals. That's yeah. right. Jesus in red. Yeah, Jesus in red. And then my comfort is Jesus. Yes. It is a read through the Bible in a year devotional. That's right. And you caused that one. Yes, I did. I said, Ray, you got to have like a Spurgeon thing. Next thing I know, the thing's like 455,000 pounds. Well, 454,000. But who's counting? Thank you for Please joining us. do not mention us. Spurgeon and my name together. <laughs> Ray Spurgeon. Oh, boy. Well, Every time nice? I read Spurgeon, I'm brought to tears. It's I just know. so beautiful. He's out of this world. By the way, real quick, if you guys are interested in hearing more about discipling your kids through God's word, we did a podcast a few months ago. It's episode five, Raising Kids. We get into yeah. further detail there. So if, if you're encouraged through this one and you want to hear another one on the subject, I suggest going back and listening to episode yeah. five, Raising Kids. There you have it, friends, livingwaters.com. Make sure to check out the Evidence Bibles and all the other resources that were mentioned. And then make sure to please follow us on the podcast. Subscribe and tell people about it and give us a rating and a comment. Thank you for joining us. See you next time here on The Living Waters. What have you been reading in the Bible lately, brother? Podcast. (laughs) Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline, California. Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina. Andrea from Anderson, Indiana. Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. Lowell from Yakima, Washington. Don from Charleston, Illinois. John from Ford, Australia. Good on you, Mike. And Dave from Will and Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.